Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Beautiful day out there. <laughs> Julia's smiling at me. Says, "Hey, you got to turn your mic on, Goofy." <laughs> anyway, quite nice, beautiful sun sunrise out there. Sunny slopes, looking very pretty today. And uh, welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what's bothering you, what's your successes, whatever you want to talk about. You know, this is a program we could talk about how to landscape and how to grow things. Lots of varieties, lots of opportunity here in the desert. You know, we are in a subtropical climate, so whether you want to grow tropical plants or citrus, you maybe want to grow a little shade, grow a little food, a lot of things can be done here in our lower deserts. And plenty of styles, and the styles vary and come from, you know, our experiences worldwide. So whatever your, uh, you know, dreams and aspirations are for that landscape, give us a call. Number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. We have the lovely Julia here on phones and music. She's smiling and ready to go, answering some phones already. And uh, so if you've got a suggestion, it's something different you're growing, an idea, we're all here to learn, uh, host included. I don't have all the answers, but a few and a little experience, and uh, we're here to have fun. So whatever your ideas, your thoughts, your concerns, uh, maybe you're having some problems with your garden, we can talk about those. Or like I say, if you're doing something different, have a different style, we'd love to hear from you. We start off usually with pretty open phones, so the lines are filling up this morning, the number to Call 602-277-5827. We are here in spring, folks. And, yes, it's uh, it's getting warmer. You know, those cool mornings are probably over for the year. And uh, we're going to be hitting the 90s soon. And that means everything will be in bloom and flower, including the desert. And some areas have had plenty of rain to uh, pop up our desert wildflowers. Others have been a little dry. And uh, statewide, you know, if you can do a rain dance, we'd all appreciate it. And if you're up in uh, Colorado or maybe you're up in Utah or northern Arizona, we'd especially appreciate it. You know, we need some water in our Colorado River system. will help us all. Anyway, we'll get right to the phones. Our first caller this morning, Mustang Sally from Sun City. Good morning, Sally. Uh, good morning, Brian. Um, I'm just turning my radio down now. I <laughs> appreciate it. And so I know you listens. have addressed this problem many times. Um, about tr- pruning citrus trees, and uh, I know that you've said this is really ideal time to do that. However, I have two uh, citrus trees that have produced a whole lot of fruit. The uh, tangelos are, are close to being finished, um, still some on there, and I see the new blossoms. The grapefruit tree is laden with probably at least a 100 uh, grapefruit. So how does one prune when there's so much fruit on there, plus the new blossoms? How do I avoid <laughs> avoid that problem? The reality is not a problem, it's just reality. You know, you can't change it any. So when you're pruning off, you know, some of that wood with the blossoms, you're going to prune off some of next year's crop. But if you want to reduce the size of your trees, which we're going to do out in our orchard, uh, now's the time you have to prune. So the fruit that you have, as you prune off limbs, take those and harvest them. On the grape 
grapefruits, the fruit on the interior, can last till the middle of the summer. So just pick off what you have to as you prune and let the rest remain on the tree. And uh, there's nothing better than fresh grapefruit juice this time of year anyway. So What would be the last uh, date? that one could prune. Well, truthfully, Sally, the sooner that you prune, the better for the tree. So you don't okay. want, you don't want to delay pruning to preserve a crop, and uh, we won't at, the, at our farms either. We'll we'll prune even though we have some fruit left on the trees, and that fruit just is going to get wasted for us this year. Uh, we'll harvest as much as we can, and then we can come back and even harvest a little more interior fruit. But the reality is, is now is the time to prune. And regardless, it's going to be ninety degrees, and the reason why we want to prune now is so that if we're pruning a tree far enough back to expose the wood to the sun, it has an opportunity to generate new foliage you know, prior to the heat. So Mm -hmm. we can't really delay our pruning. Uh, You can do some more harvest now. The blooms that you're going to cut off are limbs you're going to cut off anyway. So that's not going to matter. And with trees like lemons, if you're cutting them back and opening them up, they'll bloom again. Now, trees like grapefruits and tangelos and navel oranges and those varieties, they won't rebloom this year. So you are reducing next year's crop. But that's just part of the, you know, the culture practices for citrus. Okay. All righty. Good deal. Thank you so much. I love your program. I've been listening for months and months. Well, thanks for being the first caller. You know, that's always the hardest one to get. It's like when you go fishing, it's the first bite. Then after that, the school starts responding. So (laughs) thanks for being here, Pally. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Next up, Lisa on the other end of the world in the Santan Valley. Hi, Lisa. Hi. How are you? Fantastic. I have a question. So um, my daughter-in-law loves cherry blossom trees. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to grow one of those? Here? Well, not to produce cherries. I mean, if you can, you can grow a flowering cherry no. if you want. But I'll tell yeah. you what, you know, yeah. the peaches and the apricots and those have just as pretty of blooms. And uh, and those will fruit very regularly and consistently for you. So if you just change your mind from cherries and go a little bit bigger and do some peaches, you'll also have beautiful flowers and uh, you'll have a crop. Okay, so I don't want cherries, just the blossoms. So can you do a cherry blossoming tree? Yes, but they won't flower as well here because it's not a, not as cold. But you, you could, you know, you'll probably oh, get okay. some blooms on a cherry, but it's not really cold enough for the fruit to set. Most cherry varieties take more chill or more cold weather than what we experience here in the valley. So okay. try a plum, a peach, an apricot. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Bob in Phoenix. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Brian. Appreciate your show. Well, uh, what are your suggestions for supporting the transition of a winter ryegrass yard to a summer Bermuda yard? The better you kill it, the happier the, the Bermuda grass is going to be. Now, realistically, what we'll usually do is try and take ryegrass in through April. And somewhere around the middle of the end of April, what you want to do is shut the water off and cut, stop mowing. Okay, and, and skip mowing for a week or two. And so you've got two or three weeks of growth. And then come back and scalp it as if you were going to plant a new uh, Bermuda grass or ryegrass lawn in the fall. So you want to get the grass, you know, really tall, fairly stressed, and scalp it really short. That'll, you know, help to kill all the ryegrass. Leave the water off for two, three weeks, and then come back and water and fertilize. Okay, let me get and maybe summarize that again. You say mid-April, mm-hmm. stop the water. Okay, let the grass grow for two or okay, three let weeks. It grow. Okay. okay, with no water. 
Okay, and it's going to grow tall, and then it's going to get weak because it's not going to have the water it's accustomed to, and then and it's going to be hot, and then you want to come back and scalp it really short. Okay, and that's okay. going to that's yeah. going to do a fairly good job at killing the rye. Um, the thing is, our ryegrass that we're planting these days is perennial ryegrass, so it can go all the way in through June, and that really is detrimental to the Bermuda grass. So to enlighten the, the to lighten up the, the stress for the Bermuda grass and to get it back sooner, you want to really kill the ryegrass, so it's going to take that effort by shutting the water off and letting the grass grow tall. Okay. Then should you apply fertilizer at that point? Yes, you can come right through and fertilize right behind it. If you want something fast, it's really going to give it a kick. Just some 21-7-14 lawn fertilizer would be great. And uh, the Bermuda grass should kick in. It'll be warm enough for it to really grow. And then and then water very heavily. Keep it mowed short. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Janet in Queen Creek, but then we've got some open lines. The number to call, 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. Good morning, Janet. Good morning. Um, uh, listen, I've got a lot of clover that I'm trying to get rid of in, in my pasture. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the best way of getting rid of it without harming horses? Um, you know, pretty much it'll go on its own, Janet, with the heat. So do you keep your horses in separate pastures or all in one? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Do you have different places where you move your horses from, from pasture to pasture? Yes, I, yes, I, yes, I do. But I've got clover just uh, all over because I irrigate. And, of course, that brings in everything. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I'm trying to get rid of the clover because I know that some clovers can be uh, detrimental to horses. So I've got quite a bit of clover, and I'm trying to figure out if there's some herbicide that's safe. Well, you know, animals. most of what we have for clover here is oxalis, and I don't know that it's going to be harmful to animals at all. I don't believe it is. You could ask your vet and see what they say. But, uh, you know, basically what ends up happening with an irrigated pasture this time of year is the clover is going to stress when it gets hot. You know, so that, that, okay. being, that being said, it's really not going to do very well after it's hot. And Bermuda grass right. is going to grow a lot more vigorously. So, you know, okay. that, that being said, the Bermuda grass is going to take over the clover in May anyway. And and if you don't want okay. the clover back next year, what you'd want to do is put a pre-emergent down, and you want to put that in in September, and then you want to water, you know, irrigate before you let the animals yep. back in there and push that pre-emergent back in, and that'll get rid of the clover seed that's left over from this year for next year's crop. Okay. So, so you think... Heat is going to kill it then. And, well, um, heat and the fact that the Bermuda grass will choke it out, especially if you've got animals eating right. it. So I, I don't think right, it's a that. problem now. And, and what I would do is just let it go for the season. But if you don't want it back in your pasture next winter, then you could easily go through and uh, put a pre-emergent down in the fall, and it won't come back. All right. Sounds good then. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with D and then Sandra, and then it could be you. The number to call during the break, 602-277-5827-277-KTR. It's Julia and Brian here on the show with John in the newsroom every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM. KTR, the number to call during the break, 602-277-5827. Give us a call. Be part of the program here on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. On the farm, it's kind of laid back, ain't much an old country boy like me can't hack. It's early to rise, early in the sack. I thank God I'm a country boy. Well, a simple kind of life never did me no harm. Raising me a family and working on the farm. Days are all filled with an easy country charm. Thank God I'm a country boy. 
Well, I got me a fine wife, I got me old fiddle When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle Life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle Thank God I'm a country boy When the work's all done and the sunset low Pull out the fiddle and rosin up the bow Kids are asleep, so I keep a cattle up And thank God I'm a country boy I'd play Sally Gooden all day if I could But the Lord and my wife wouldn't take it very good So a fiddle when I can, work when I should well, welcome back, folks, to this beautiful, absolutely gorgeous Sunday morning. A little John Denver there for you. Uh, let's see. We've got three lines still open. Number to call for Miss Julia, 602-277-5827-277-KTR. D out in Whitman. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a, a couple of three questions about my Mexican fan pumps. The first one is, is it okay to, um, I guess you call it, strip the, strip the old palm fronds off, or is it better to leave them on? Well, as far as the where the palm has you know, been removed before, they'll be self-pilling when they get old enough. But if you'd like to skin the trunks, it doesn't really hurt the trees as long as they're well-established. You don't usually want mm-hmm. to cut any deeper than when you start to hit any wet or greener style, you know, wood underneath. So you mm-hmm. can start skinning from the bottom up until it starts to get wet, you know, or soft. And at that point, uh-huh. you want to quit. And the best way to do that is with a razor blade knife. Oh, okay. okay. How, how tall are but, you? How tall are your Mexican fans, T? Oh, maybe five feet. Well, they're too young to trim. Okay, you really don't oh. want to trim them till the trunk from the ground to the to base of the fronds is around ten feet, and you might even oh. wait for later than that because if you start skinning that bark off when they're really young, it actually kind of damages and, and stresses the tree more. So once they get larger, it'd be a better time. It'd be better now just to prune them off with a nice, you know, smooth cut on the outside of the fronds. Oh, okay. Does it stunt the growth of them? If it, if it, it, it can, if you start you know skinning them too soon. Oh, okay. Now, the other couple questions is, um, I have some holes in the same tree. Um, they're just about maybe eight inches up, and it's just on the well, um, where there's no um, where there's no palm, no dead palm front, mm-hmm. and it, it's not. It doesn't go all the way in, but it's it's maybe half three quarters of an inch deep. Is that something? To, is that something eating it, or is that just the nature of the tree? Well, that's kind of unusual. D, how old is your Mexican pineapple? How long have you had it planted? Uh, about five years. Okay, so it's not really getting enough water growing very fast. Do you want it to be larger, oh. or you want to keep it young, or keep it shorter? Yes, no, I want them larger. Okay, water and fertilize more. You know, as okay. it gets warm, and now they don't grow that much this time of year. They're just now waking up. You know, it's just getting warm enough right. for them to start to grow. But they get most of their growth in uh, July through October, and that's when the trees okay. are really growing their fastest. But if you want to make sure you water it at least once a week, okay, and if you want it to grow mm-hmm. faster, fertilize it. If you have some lawn food around, like twenty one seven fourteen, that's really good. Mm-hmm. And you could feed it once okay. a month if you want it to grow fast. So if you want it to get bigger, oh. so it'll be tall and you can skid it and do all these things, uh, push it along a little bit. Oh, okay. Okay, well, when we, we pulled them out of a, of a field, a cornfield, mm-hmm. and 
they were so they were just basically bare root. Okay. So you know when when we planted them, we we put moon juice in it, but mm-hmm. that's about all we did. And up until last year was the first time we fertilized. Well, if you want to grow fast, fertilize them. You know, when when you pull them out like that bare root, they shock, and it takes them about a year to really wake up. But they've been yeah. in long enough now. You should be able to put, you know, two foot of growth plus on them every year, two to three feet. So you can take oh. that little tree, you know, little tree that's four or five foot of trunk now and have it be eight feet by the end of October. Okay. And really? Yeah. Okay. It, it'll it'll say thank you, D. I'm so happy. Oh. And uh, <laughs> you know, I, we've got a palm tree farm down in Aztec, which is kind of by Dateland. That was planted in uh-huh. 1978. We have trees in that farm that are only 10 foot of trunk. Okay, so they've grown very slowly with limited amounts of water. But we have right. a field, you know, in Stanfield with trees that were planted in 2004 that are 40 foot of trunk. So, and the oh. whole difference has been water. Oh. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Now, the other question is we had gophers on these. Mm-hmm. So they had started eating some of the roots and so on and so forth. Now, one of the trees that we had killed the gophers out of, it already had a gopher hole, hole in it. Mm-hmm. It's got kind of like a a bulge okay. on the side of the trunk that goes up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing in it because we've plugged it. Is that... Is that that, that okay? tree? It'll be fine. You know, it'll grow up oh. and be a big, strong tree. Still, gophers do love palm oh. trees, so you do have to stay after those gophers. You know, oh yeah, and they're no me. fun. I, I prefer when killing gophers to rent the movie Caddyshack and get some plastic explosives, but they're kind of hard to find these days. So yes, probably, they are. <laughs> probably just have to trap them or get them with juicy fruit bubble gum. There's a lot of ways to kill gophers. Smoke them out. Yeah. you know, drown them. I've I got mean. that figured out. That part. <laughs> All right, if you can kill but, gophers, you'll okay. be fine. So fertilize. Okay. Thank deep water much. and don't skin them till they're 10 feet tall. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Thank you. Bye bye. Sandra in uh, Phoenix. Hi, Sandra. Hi, good morning. Morning. I take my call. <laughs> I love your program. Okay, I have about three questions. Uh, first one is I have a beauty plum, mm-hmm. and I notice all my other trees are leafing out and, you know, doing what. This one is not doing anything at all, and I'm, I've had it for about three or four years, about four years, and do I water and fertilize the same way I do with the others. Uh, is a plum slower than other trees? It could be a little later. Some of the peaches will flower before plums do. And, you know, really this year our temperatures kind of went up and down like a wave. You know, we've been cool and warm and never really, you know, too warm yet. So I I would just be a little patient. I think that after it uh, warms up this week, it'll be in bloom. It'll start to bloom out a little bit, huh? Oh, I, I, probably a whole lot. If it hits 90, it better bloom, or else it's not going to It's gonna sunburn. Uh-huh. So okay, that makes me feel better about the tree. Um, another question, I how do you tell a sucker uh, on a tree? I, I, some Do they have blossoms on it if they are a sucker? Well, you go out and ask the tree, hey, is that a sucker or just another limb or a water sprout growing up? Yeah, yeah. And anyway... Um, you know, a sucker pretty much we determine is, is a limb that we don't want and want to take off of a tree. And, you know, as trees are, when the wood gets set, then they put out a new shoot and it comes out of a bud out of the trunk. And that's going to grow faster and more vigorous because it's got all these new fast growing cells in it. And uh-huh. we just have to determine whether or not we want to leave that as part of the tree. So if it's below the graft, you always want to take it off. So yeah, right. trees and citrus, they're all grafted. But if it's up in the you know center portion of the tree and the tree needs yes. to fill in, 
then let it grow up a little taller than the rest of its friends and cut it off at the tip. And it could be a you know useful branch. Huh. Okay. So, all right. Some have blossoms on them, and I just don't know if they are what they are. So, well, would, if they've had flowers on them, they're probably just little older ones that were out you know since last year. But you just, know, it doesn't it doesn't uh. hurt to leave them. And and trees are naturally going to try and protect and defend themselves from the sun. So, oftentimes, if we prune a tree up too high off the ground or cut it back on one side, it'll put out foliage that grow fast and vigorously to protect itself. So, sometimes oh. sometimes what we might think of as a sucker can be a very useful you know future limb on the tree yes it is a lemon yeah um and also i have a fire stick plant i think that's what they call them uh can i just cut off a piece and and put it in the ground and you know uh take care of it and make another plant out of it yes they're that- very easily now it'll be easier to root that cutting if you want to sandra in a pe- in a you know container with some potting soil first Oh. So you can cut off a piece and stick it in a pot and let it root out, and then when it's rooted, plant in the ground will be easier. And they and they usually take a lot of sun, don't they? Well, they do when they're established. Now, the, the cuttings, you'd probably want to put just like on the south side of the house, but um, you could plant them directly in the soil, too, and, and transplanting them from cuttings. This is the perfect time of year, however okay. you want to do it. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. Thank you so much. I appreciate your help. Thanks, Sandra. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Uh, next, we've got Walt in Sun Lakes. Good morning, Walt. Good morning, Brian. Uh, Mexican lime tree, a lady just spoke about it a little bit ago. Uh, last year, between last year and this year, we have four um, branches that start about six inches from the bottom of the tree. The tree is probably eight inch diameter and it's short and stocky because they've kept it that way i think Mm -hmm. these branches go right up straight with the trunk and they stick up about three four feet above the rest of the tree so typically if the tree is is you know pruned and full those usually don't happen so i would make sure that the trunk is probably either wrapped or the canopy's low enough to ground so that it's not hitting the trunk there and remove them Cut those off right at the trunk. Yeah, cut those off, but you're going to want to wrap the trunk because the reason they're being generated there is because of the fact that it's the sun's hitting that part of the trunk. So wrap it with a piece of cardboard, burlap, an old towel or something, but cut them off first. Well, I've got to let you go because we have to go to the news, but appreciate the call. Can I hold Can you I can talk hold, you yes, off? Because I got an orange tree. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I take, an I'll take you as soon as we come back. Hold on. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. While we're gone, you can call Julia at 602 602- 277-5827-277-KTAR. Eating hard will make you eat. You'll cry and cry and try to sleep. But sleep won't come.
the few people that sing, uh, you're cheating heart better than Hank Williams. Miss Patsy Klein, welcome back, folks, this beautiful morning. Looks like we got one line left open. The number to call, 602-260-5394, 260-KFYI. Back to Walt in Sun Lakes. Hi, Walt. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yes, sir. You're oh, I got a, a question on watering. Uh-huh. Um, in the winter, we've watered uh, twice a week for about 40 minutes on the trees, drip system. And somebody was saying in the summer we should do it once a week and, and much heavier. Well, that, that's correct. And, and, Walt, really in the wintertime probably should be once every couple weeks. Okay, so they, they really okay. just do better if you get them wet and you, and you water them down deep and then let them dry out. And uh, you can water them almost as much as you want when it's really hot, and that's after the you know, temperature's over 90, 100 degrees. Then you can water okay, some. So once that happens, I, uh, we leave. So we're, we're okay. So what? So what you want to do is you want to program your timer when you leave to water once a week. Okay, but you need to get the water down to a depth of about three feet. And there's no way you're going to do that with a drip system in less than several hours, okay? To give you an idea, so our citrus, well, to give you an idea in our citrus orchards, what we do is we water them once a week, the ones that are on drip, and we water them for 12 hours. Now, we have a little bit heavier, a little lighter soil than you do in Sun Lake. Sun Lake soil is a little heavier than ours, but yeah, it's still going to take a similar time. Um, so how big, how large in diameter are the trunk of your trees? The the trunk on the orange tree is um, probably ten inch, nine ten inch diameter. Okay. So depending on the amount of water your drip system puts out and how fast it you know c- comes through your system, and making sure that it doesn't run off, okay, you're going to want to put on at least 150 gallons of water. 150 gallons, okay, so... so however you calibrate yeah, well, your drip system to put on 150 gallons while you're gone in the summertime, 150 gallons once a week. Once a week. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Walt. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see, next up, we've got Rick and Stono. First, we have to get Linda in Phoenix. Hi, Linda. Hi. I'm Linda, and I've got a totem pole cactus that has fractures at the base. Mm-hmm. What can I do to um, to help that? Okay, now you what say it's I, fractures at the base. Is it is it just starting to get coarse on the outside and go to a bark form, or is it no, no? It's down like down? a little slit okay. on the cactus itself, and mm-hmm. it's probably probably about six to seven feet tall. Okay, and how deep into the wood does this cut go? It it doesn't go very deep. Then it's not going to hurt anything. Okay. It's not. It can get cracked in there from maybe a lot of wind stress. Maybe it was really happy and we had a lot of wind and it cracked a little bit. Typically, uh-huh. that's going to heal up if it's not deep. You know, if it's okay. if it's a third the way into the limb or more, you might want to cut that limb off and replant it. Is it a single? Oh no, it's is, just, is it a single or it, is it uh, a branch? It's single. Okay. So it's a young plant. So that that really yeah. should that really shouldn't hurt it. It might have cracked okay. when it was young and first got out and was facing the wind, but uh, okay. that should heal back up and it'll build caliber and strength with time. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Linda. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Well, next we have Rick and then Tom, and then it could be you. All you have to do to be up after Tom is give Julia a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Rick. 
Good morning, Brian. I'm, uh, I've got another irrigation uh, question. Uh, I've got a neighbor who's been kind of guiding me in this process. And most of my plants are you know, three, four years old, not that mature. And he, uh, he's got, uh, he's when the heat started coming up last week, he's, he's saying to go to um, a, a technique that he uses he has his irrigation set up at 12 a.m. and 6 a.m. It goes for an hour once a week. And um, that, he said, allows for deeper watering. Is that a, a good system to begin with? Well, I mean, if the, if, the water is, if, the, if the water is going to run off, okay, th- then you could put on two applications per day. Uh, to the point where the water doesn't run off, the longer you put on one continuous irrigation, the better, because it's going to go deeper in the soil and push the salts further away from the plants. Um, right. And then depending on the plants you have, you know, weekly and, and your soil, you know, weekly could be good. It, it might be in some places that that's more often than you need to be watering uh, for plants. It's very... It's clay. It's, okay. I've dug deeply, and it's it's very much clay around here. Okay. So um, if, if the water will continuously go on your one irrigation cycle, it's better than running two. Um, the reason that we oftentimes run two or three, four cycles in a day is, for example, if we have a lawn on a slope and the water runs off, we don't want the water to run off the lawn, so we'll run more than one cycle. But truthfully, the more you can put on a single cycle, the deeper you're going to push the salts, and the salt that come with the water are our enemy in our, in our irrigation system for our plants. So we want to water once as long and deep as we can. So I think it would be better to water once unless you're on the side of a slope or something where the water is going to run off. And then you could do multiple cycles. If the well is, as it is, the, the well gets pretty much to the, at the, at the end of a, an hour, mm-hmm. it's starting to exceed the the well okay now maybe i should just raise the the level of the well then you could you could make the well larger or widen the well what kind of these on trees uh rick or on shrubs yeah so it might well i've got both but Mm -hmm. and i've done the wells for all of them the the my biggest concern is i want to make sure i don't mess up my citrus i've got citrus trees that are Two or three year, bottom from you, two or three years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're an inch to two inches ca- uh, caliper and four inch canopy. And right now, with this, what I've got it set up, it's it's about forty gallons a week going to those citrus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got a big med fan palm that I'm giving it. It's like seven foot around, and it's getting one hundred and twenty gallons a week. Okay. And then the smaller med fan, fan palm, about forty. And uh, a Mexican fan palm, 40, that's about six foot tall. And a Palo Blanco, about 30 gallons a week. And a leatherleaf acacia, 10. And a willow acacia, 20. Okay, so, um, yeah, that, I mean, all those that, those you know, amounts are fairly relative to the size of your plant, okay, and, so those and are your soil. Reasonable. But, you know, his idea, if you don't want to take the time to expand your wells, and if they're filling up, you know, after an hour, uh, that means you have pretty big adjustable emitters. What you might also do is turn your emitters down and run it longer. Yeah, I've, I've got a fixed system with, like, uh, five gal- I've got four five gallon per hour heads on mm-hmm. most of the citrus and sand palms and okay. stuff. Okay, so you're putting twenty gallons on an hour. 
So right now you're running it for yeah, two but, hours? Yeah, but it, it's 20. Yeah, you're right. 20 per hour. And then by doing the two, you know, in one day, you know, doing it at 12 a.m. and 6 a.m., it turns out to 40 gallons per watering. Yeah, and, and, that's, and, that, and that's probably fine. Um, you want to keep those as close as you can. But, I mean, that if, if your wells won't accommodate the water, you do need that much water. So he's correct. So maybe I'd be better off not having so much time between the waterings. But there's no reason. Once the water's down in the ground, it'd be better to put it right back on. Yeah. So make it like instead of 12 a.m. and 6 a.m., make it like 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. I do it in the afternoon so I don't have to get up in the middle of the night to go check on it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, out out in our groves, Rick, we water 24 hours. You know, our wells never go off from this time of year on. We water all summer because we're going from block to block, you know, on our trees. But uh, yeah. You know, it's certainly a lot more fun checking them in the afternoon than at 2 o'clock in the morning. Except for the summertime. Now, in the summertime, I used to love to irrigate at 2 o'clock in the morning because you could see the owls fly around and things. But, um, you know, this time of year, it's a little cold at night, so I don't, I don't prefer to get up there. But, no, um, realistically, it, you know, as, as fast as the water, once the water's all down, if you could put it back on again, that would be the best. Got it. I think I'm going to switch it to 6 a.m. and 8 a.m. And that way, I yeah, then you can get up and check it, it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, Tom and Gilbert. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. How are you today? Excellent, sir. Hey, here a while back, you talked about putting uh, vinegar on the citrus trees and Epsom salts. How much vinegar would you put on and how much Epsom salt? Well, vinegar is not going to do that much, to be honest with you, Tom. Um, You know, you could use vinegar on like a small plant in a pot or something like that, but vinegar is, you know, anywhere from 4 to 7% acid, so it's really not that strong. You'd be better off for citrus trees to use gypsum, and you could just shovel some gypsum in around the well, and, uh, you know, on a big citrus tree, you could put on probably up to 10 pounds of gypsum underneath the base on one of the once a year, and that's going to help the percolation, the water drain better. Epsom salt, we really use where we need Epsom salt. We have a grove down in Hyder. We have to use it because it's not in the water or the soil, but it's usually something that we don't have to add specifically. Um, So, you know, with with our other grove, like out in Mesa, where we have enough magnesium in the soil, we don't put any extra Epsom salt on. Um, You're better off, Tom, just fertilizing with a good balanced fertilizer like Organopro citrus food or a good balanced citrus food, something that has manganese, zinc, iron, magnesium, all those things in it. And you're going to find in most balanced fertilizers, they do contain some magnesium, which is Epsom salt. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, how about tri- trimming uh, jasmine and honeysuckles? One time to cut them back. Today. You know, anything you want to cut back that's kind of overgrown right now is the perfect weather before it gets hot. So from bougainvilleas to lantana to jasmine to honeysuckle to hardier evergreens, you know, now's the real time to prune. Then I better get busy. Alrighty, Tom. Have a nice weekend. Okay, take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Steve in Scottsdale. But if you'd like to be on after Steve, we have four open lines. One's for you, the number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. It's Brian and Julia here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM, KTAR.
There's a light that glows by the front door Don't forget the keys under the mat Childhood stars shine Always stay humble and kind Go to church cause your mama says to Visit grandpa every chance that you can Won't be wasted time Always stay humble and kind folks beautiful morning out there and uh, we do have a couple lines open but in the meantime i'd like to invite you out to whitfields you know whitfields we grow trees all kinds all sizes started with my grandparents back in the 40s continuing today for four generations if you need trees any kind any size from citrus to date palms to mexican fans to uh maybe some beautiful shade trees like ashes and elms and pistachios or maybe you want something a little tighter growing and like a fruitless olive swan hill olives or american Skeets, whatever your desire, whether it be a desert tree like an ironwood or a beautiful tropical look. And if you want to grow something that looks like a coconut, nothing prettier than a mule palm. Come out and see us at Woodfields. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. No jobs too big, none's too small. Come see us if you need one tree. Come see us if you need a thousand. We've got some beautiful big citrus that we've got. Uh, they're, you know, semi-fruitless lemons with no seeds that would make great landscape trees for development. Whatever your dreams are, come out and see us at our original store with my grandparents' Adobe house at 824 East Glendale. 
in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And Monday through Saturdays, you can go to our big farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Woodfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona's future. Let's see. Next up, we have Steve and Scott still, then Roland and Kent. And if you'd like to be up after Kent, you can call Julia at 602-277-5827. Good morning, Steve. Hi, Brian. I wanted to talk about uh, transitioning from uh, ryegrass to Bermuda grass. I know you've talked about that a lot, even this morning. I wanted to ask questions about uh, how high do we cut it now? When do we scalp it? Uh, how much water do we do? Well, Steve, um, really right now is the time to enjoy ryegrass. I mean, this is at its finest, and the Bermuda grass won't fill in yet. And, uh, you know, if you've got other people concerned about how pretty your lawn looks, uh, it's a rough transition right now because it's really not been hot enough yet. So we're going to wait about right. another month. And then we're going to kind of follow the protocol we discussed earlier by shutting the water off for two, three weeks, letting it grow tall, and that's going to stress it more, and then scalping it. Okay. Um, do we need to till the soil when we after we scalp? No, you could if you if you wanted to, you know, come in and do it. You could till it, and, and the rhizomes and the runners from the the Bermuda grass would still come back out. But then you'd be also exposing it to an opportunity for a lot of weeds and other problems. So I really wouldn't recommend that. Now, the one thing that would be in order this time of year that we haven't discussed though is aeration. And so you know, when you come back and after your process is done and you've killed your ryegrass, if you come right back through with an aerator which cuts little plugs in the ground and then right. fertilize and maybe even put some gypsum on uh, when you have that all opened up. That would really help your Bermuda grass to thrive for the summer. Okay. If we don't have many rhizomes or existing uh, Bermuda grass in the in the soil, can you plant Bermuda grass seed? Would that would that take an Arizona? Absolutely, Steve. Is this a new lawn or an existing lawn that's been around for a long time? Existing. Okay. So if you wanted to do that, I would do the aeration first. You might even bring in a verticutter, which slices up the existing rhizomes, and then you could seed your Bermuda grass from seed. Now, seeding Bermuda grass, you want to make sure the nighttime temperature is above 65. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, rolling out in Queen Creek, Kenton Mesa, then you. Call at 602-277-5827. Hi, Roland. Hi. Yes, sir. Beautiful morning, isn't it? It certainly is. And it's it's so fun in our studio here because I get to look at the mountains that I used to climb on when I was a young guy here in Sunny Slope. Yeah. Hey, I've got some uh, hibiscus plants. The leaves are really light green, and you can see the vein. The vein. What can I put on them to green them up? Well, the fastest way to green them up, Roland's going to be with a foliar fertilizer, whether you use like a Peter's 2020 or miracle Grow, something like that, that you would spray right on the foliage. And with the 90-degree weather this week, they'll be green in a week. Now, longer term, you'd want to fertilize them with a balanced fertilizer, and you could use like a, just a 20-20-20 or something like that or similar in the soil. Or if they're in a container, you might want to use a product called Osmocote. Say that again? Well, if they're in a container, you're growing them in the ground or in a container? They're in the ground. Okay, then just a regular you know, shrub food like a 10-10-10, 20-20-20, any of those would be fine. Okay. Thanks, Roland. I'll give it a try. Thanks. Oh, they'll, it'll, they'll change fast. It's going to be warm this week. Bye-bye. Kent and Mesa. Good morning, Kent. 
Good morning. Um, well, first off, I want to thank you for your support uh, for PBS. Uh, I listened to that. Uh, but the reason that I'm calling today is uh, I have a Texas Ebony, and it was at one of your programs at the very tail end you said something about Ebony. And uh, I uh, went to your store at uh, off of Guadalupe, mm-hmm. I think it is, and uh, I got some stuff. The fellow there, the arborist there, said I had... Uh, borers or, or ebony borers or something mm-hmm. and uh, I got some uh, stuff that I diluted and then poured around the root network okay uh, uh, should I is there anything I've noticed on some spots that that it is uh, starting to split some going up the tree uh, is there something that I can spray on there you shouldn't have to. If you use a systemic like the bear systemic, that goes up in the tree system and makes it toxic to the boars. It's pretty effective. But what we want to oh. do in addition to that, you know, for the evidence to be healthy and have less problems is they need to be happy. So the most important thing you can do for your trees is to make sure they're deep water. Now, Texas ebony's really don't need any water in the wintertime at all. But from this time of year forward, if you'd water them at least once every two weeks with a good deep irrigation, and perhaps if you'd even fertilize them right now, they're going to do better. And the happier, the healthier the tree, the better it can fend off against the predators and the pests and the flat-headed boar is a native insect here that happens to really enjoy eating ebony. So just fertilize it, deep water it, you put the chemical on, you should be all set. What fertilizer would you use? The one you have at home. So it could be a 21-7-14 lawn fertilizer. It could be citrus food, 20-20-20. It really doesn't make much difference. The first number on the bag is nitrogen. That's the most important. And even if you had just ammonium sulfate or urea, a good dose of those will work fine, too. Kent, i got to let you go. We've got to take a hard break because we got John Roller here in the newsroom, and we're going to find out what's happening in the world. We'll be right back after the break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, you can give Julia a call at 602-277-5827, and you could be after Tom and Apache Junction on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. 